Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adel and Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel and Marcy. And today I have the good pleasure and good fortune of actually interviewing uh, Benton Kane, who is the CEO of Harmon Bros. Now, if you've ever seen Harmon Bros, you know their ads from Poopery, as well as many other ads that weren't famous, including the Squatty Party. Let's be honest, we've all seen it, including Fiberfix and uh, now Chatbooks, which is something they're actually working on right now. So Benton, I don't want to go too much into your backstory right away of me talking about it, but I want to ask you personally, how the hell did you end up in advertising? That's a great question. I actually started my career in data analytics. I was really nerdy, worked as a survey statistician, econometrician. I worked in the intelligence agencies. And then I joined the, the Harmon brothers, the three who were actually named Harmon. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they had just pioneered YouTube advertising with a company called Aura Brush, where they had a tongue cleaner that cleans your breath, t- cleans your tongue and gets rid of bad breath. And when they finished that project and left to do poopery, they needed a data geek like myself. And so I joined up with the team, moved my family across the country. I had been in Washington, D.C., and I moved across the country to the state of Utah, which is um, pretty far out west, not quite to California. Just in Portland, if I'm not mistaken, right? You're not too far from Portland. Yeah, yeah, not terribly far from there. And and that was my first my first move into advertising. And so I started out doing things like ad buying and A/B testing and conversion rate optimization. That was that was kind of my world. And then as we grew over time, I kept replacing myself with other people who were even much better than me at, at, at those roles. And, and my role kept expanding into, you know, eventually uh, the, the four of us kind of split focus. Two went to build another company. That was Neil and Jeff. And then Daniel and myself dedicated ourselves to building Harmon Brothers as an agency and here we are today. That's incredible. I love the fact that that's actually become the whole thing. Now, before we actually fully get started, uh, I forgot to completely do the sponsor call, but I'm going to just quickly do a call out real quick. So no our problem. show for this episode is sponsored, of course, by HanBros.com. Uh, check out all their amazing stuff that they have on there. I'm actually a student of yours, by the way, a poop to gold. I think I've got one of your other courses as well somewhere. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Huge fan of the work you guys are creating. And again, guys, I'm a copywriter. I've been a veteran copywriter for most of my life. I can tell you right now, even I'm picking up new stuff from them. So go check it out. And as always, this show is sponsored by uh, StorySellingBlueprint.com. If you guys go there and check it out, it's basically uh, an upcoming course we've created, specifically helping entrepreneurs under the six-figure mark get, beyond, uh, get to and beyond the six-figure mark using nothing more than their stories. So yeah, let's get started right away with it. So with that being said, and actually your epic move across, what was one of the, as a data analyst, I guess, uh, the way you you see it. Now, my question has to be right off the bat because I have like three that come up. The first one is what do you see as the biggest trend we have in social media? Because a lot of people have actually complained that the new quote unquote algorithm has screwed them out of reach. I don't mean just on pages, I mean on profiles. Right, right. That, that's, a, that's a really good question. So uh, a couple of things I see as really huge trends. Now, 
one, obviously, the, the big brands are kind of being pushed out of television because Netflix and Amazon and the big streaming companies don't have television breaks, right? And so all of those ad dollars that the big brands used to send to television are now starting to shift and come to, um, you know, come to digital. And, and that, I think that's when you say, you know, people have felt like algorithmically they're kind of being uh, pushed out. And that's probably a lot of what we're experiencing is these big brands and big budgets are coming into the digital space and bidding up all of the ad inventory. And so compared to two years ago, ad inventory is, is not nearly as affordable as, uh, you know, as it used to be. It's, it's getting quite competitive and, and quite expensive. And so in my opinion, I, I think that creates, um, you know, both a challenge and an opportunity for us as advertisers. I think there's, uh, it, you know, there's a couple of ways to look at it. One is that by being advertisers that can both brand and sell instead of just advertisers that brand, you know, think about, you know, Nike or, or, or Apple or Coca-Cola or someone like that. We, we oftentimes have a competitive advantage because we brand and sell. And so we can drive both an ROI in the short term and we can drive that brand awareness in the long term, which is, you know, which is much harder to do if you're just focusing on, focusing on branded advertising. Exactly. Does that make sense? No, entirely. It's kind of the whole concept of the old school brand versus direct response. What we have today is this hybrid baby that's kicking everyone's ass, which is having branded direct response based advertising that's entirely wrapped up in a story. Exactly. That's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah. And funnily enough, <laughs> this only came to mind because I was watching it the other day. Uh, actually, I wasn't watching that. I was watching um, Binging with Babish, another YouTube celebrity who's amazing. Um, he was doing something on White Castle burgers. And I just realized that Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Had White Castle actually endorsed that film? That is like one of the greatest advertisements you could ever ask for. Like, yeah. it really is. Like, think of how many stoners basically go to White Castle on 420 every year or whenever they can. And, and I honestly believe that those type of brand integrations, and I think we'll even see more creative brand in integrations coming down the pipeline. I think those are the future of branded advertising because as you know pepsi and coca-cola and apple and everyone else is forced out of the tv space what do they have left right all they can do is product placement you know oh i want to make sure that i have a coke can on the table in this scene and and that's kind of the extent of what they're able to do in this new world of of online streaming and so i believe there's a huge opportunity for storytellers and, and filmmakers, and, and this is a space that we're really interested in and doing a lot of exploration and testing, is how do we make it so that brand and entertainment can integrate together in a way that's so seamless and so natural that, that the viewers, they don't just welcome it, but they enjoy it, they love it, they share it. That, that's what I think the future of branded advertising is. Yeah, see, I would agree with you entirely there because one of the cool things that we really uh, are seeing is that movement into story. Like literally everywhere in the last three years, I've seen people go, story selling is the new thing. And it's like, no, we've always used it, but it's been kept low key. 
now it's coming up to the more forefront. And I agree with you, like people are going to be getting aware to that and seeing how they can use it. And this is like the perfect time for a good agency like Harmon Bros, uh, like anyone else out there that's listening that is a good, they're, they're good at what they're doing and they know how to leverage it to basically get in front of these companies and help them. I mean, one of the best examples I found, I, do you know who Lil Dicky is? I don't, I'm not familiar with Lil Dicky. Okay, so Lil Dicky is a, it's funny because I don't like bringing ethnicity into it, but there is a humorousness to this. Uh, he's a white rapper from Philadelphia who started out in accounting uh, okay. for an ad agency. Um, and then his presentations were so funny, the way that he put together raps about them, that they basically moved him up to, ad, to the advertising um, part of the company where they ran the big NBA, NBA big back in 2014. That uh -huh. campaign was him. Um, and then he basically made a jump from that to being a, a rapper, like a humorous rapper, because all his songs, literally, if you listen to them, they are just things that happen to him that he's putting in the realm of doing stand-up comedy in music. But it's incredible. And the reason I bring this up is, but the reason why that's so powerful is that he was one of the first trend makers to go that way. Uh, on a higher scale because he grew his YouTube channel. He grew his career from this. And now you see people like Ryan Reynolds, who's going out there and promoting his aviation gym um, and his movies like such as Deadpool using what we already use, like our form that's of right. advertising. That's so right. That, like, that, that, that's a key indicator. The moment something goes like to that level of mainstream and they're starting to adopt it, you know you were in the right. And now it's the time to actually perfectly position yourself in front of that big tidal wave. Which brings me to that question. How does someone actually position themselves in front of someone like an Apple or an Amazon or basically any company that has money that's leaving it behind because they can't do TV advertising anymore? How do they do that? That's a great question. I mean, I can share the strategy that we are working on um, and, and, and maybe that can be helpful to, to your listeners. So when we launched our chat books campaign, which if you're not familiar with it, it is a, um, it's a photo book that essentially connects to your Instagram feed and, and every 60 photos that you post to Instagram, it then prints, you know, these automated, uh, really nice photo books and sends them to you. And so it's been hugely successful with, uh, particularly moms. Um, and you know, it's gone even broader beyond moms, but the, you know, the mom group is the love group because, you know, they're busy, hectic life, and they don't have time to print photo books and stuff, but they also have this mom guilt of feeling like, Hey, I need to document, you know, my kid's childhood. I need these photo books. Did that for me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so chat books makes that really easy and really simple. Well, we created this ad campaign where we. Uh, we, we built this character, we call her real mom, because she lives this crazy hectic life. And, and everything just is chaos and everything goes wild. But in an incredibly humorous and fun and an engaging way. And, and it's connected so well with that audience of moms that we have, you know, literally 10s, uh, if not over 100,000 comments talking about how, how oh, I love this mom, she is me, um, I relate, this is a day in my life, you know, those type of comments. And we also have literally hundreds, sorry about the 
Um, a little interruption there. I thought I had turned my calendar off. Oh, it's okay. Um, so, so you had hundreds, if not yeah, thousands, the, of comments of basically people continuing saying that you guys were amazing. Well, well, the, the hundreds of comments were actually saying, this needs to be a TV show. I would watch this. This is amazing. I want more. And, and so, well, you know, we did six, I think it was six ad spots. And, and jointly, those ad spots have been watched. I, I don't know. It's somewhere north of 200 million times, maybe 250 million. I, I can't remember exactly. Um, but just hundreds of millions of, of views, hundreds of thousands of positive interactions. And so we're looking at this and saying, man, maybe we have a great opportunity to prove out this concept that brands and entertainment can, uh, can coincide and that we can join the two, you know, mix the two into a world where, um, where it feels very natural and, and, and viewers enjoy it and welcome it. And so we are working on a TV series based on that character. And, and our hope, of course, is that, you know, we're able to, um, you know, we're able to land a deal with a Netflix or an Amazon or someone like that so that we can get this TV show out to the world and prove that brands and entertainment uh, belong together and can go, you know, hand in hand. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that is absolutely brilliant. And more importantly, when you do, I call dibs on being a script writer. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Oh man, you guys have like such a cool way of doing it, but that's actually powerful. Um, and thank you for sharing that strategy with me. Just My so pleasure. like, just if you were to summate it up though, just very quickly for me, like what would be like in three steps, what would you do? Um, in three steps, what would I do to get in front of the wave of brands and entertainment coming together? Is that the question? Yeah, like as in if you were to get in front of, say, oh, God, a Best Buy. Okay, so I would say probably the, the three pieces that are going to open up the doors for us. Um, one is getting reps telling stories. Mm -hmm. Two is build an audience. Yep. And then three is... Um, is somehow secure the, um, the funding for your first project, whether that be from your audience, whether it be from a, a client, um, whether it be from a platform like an Amazon or a Netflix, um, you know, that, that's one of the key steps is securing your fun funding for that first project. Oh, for sure. And by the way, just as a heads up uh, to everyone listening, as you can tell, this episode of my show is I'm asking a hell of a lot more questions than I usually do. Reasons I've been excited as fuck to actually get Benton on. <laughs> like as soon as I got told, I was like, yes, must. Um, you guys can't see the face that I just pulled right now, but it was the very, very happy, intense look of one of our favorite <laughs> internet memes. Um, <laughs> I'm, bl I'm blushing over here. Stop um, it. <laughs> yeah. But one of the cool things, uh, the reason I asked so many questions is because I don't think Benton was, I don't think you were actually expecting me to do this. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, it's going to be a completely chill show. Let me ask him all the hard questions I can think of. <laughs> yeah, this is um, the, two things. This is definitely off the cuff. And then two things we're talking about things that are very exploratory, even for us. And yeah. so, you, you know, if we wanted to talk branded conversion ads, which we've, you know, uh, we've pioneered and, and I guess you could even argue we've kind of perfected. Uh, I can talk all day long about the how to and exactly how it works and all that stuff. But with, now that we're kind of getting into this theoretical space, um, I'm, 
Yeah, I'm I'm talking in theoreticals here too because we're in the process of of exploring and 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 experimenting. Yeah, I mean, like this is how ideas are formed, though. Like I, right. we could have literally one conversation in this, and you might be like, "Huh, that sounds like a good idea." I'm gonna quickly go ahead and jot this down. Next thing you know, that Harmon Bros have basically run with an idea that we came up with on the show. Which, if they do, I'm expecting an email going, "It worked." I just want to, I just <laughs> want that. I, I just want that to happen, just to make my own self feel good, so I can be one day like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I helped out with the Harmon ad. That was the Humbro. That's that was the, an idea from my show." Because it's a deal. Um, that's always good. And yes, I am. Sorry, I'm kidding. Couldn't resist because <laughs> um, a lot of my friends call me a deal, even though it's adult. Always love that, that whole Got thing. It. But what I was going to say was as like the CEO of the company, um, obviously you guys have a CFO and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. specifically, if you were to say you were talking at a conference and you had an audience in front of you right now and someone, me most likely, put up their hand and asked you, okay, so you've done all the steps. You're looking for how would you actually secure the funding A- if you want to answer that question, but B more importantly, how much funding should you actually put aside for your first guerrilla type campaign to go out? Because even if we're running a guerrilla type campaign today, guerrilla type campaigns back in the day, you can get away with a hundred bucks. If that, you can get away with 50 bucks to a hundred bucks today, guerrilla type campaigns cost a little bit more. Um, so my question is how much should someone put together in like their quote unquote uh, ad spend budget um to get their project off the ground initially just to even see if there's a gauge of, of um there's a, to gauge the excitement and attention of their marketplace sure i <clears throat> reading between the lines on this question i think we i think we might be talking about t- two different worlds here so it, you know there's this world of let's put together a fun story driven ad campaign that that drives sales for for a company right right um that that's one world and and the answer there um you, you know we, that's probably where we want to dive into because that's what's going to be most meaningful then there's this other world that you and i were just kind of like brainstorming about briefly talking about where we're trying to create an entire tv series that, that you know that a netflix or an amazon would be interested in airing and and obviously the the budget for a tv series is you know many 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 multiples of of what it would take to you know to do a simple story driven ad. Exactly. So uh, if it's all right with you, I think I'll focus that question kind of on the um, the the ad as, as opposed right. to the TV series. Is that, that fair? That's, that's actually where I was hoping you were going to go with that. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, so it it's interesting because every company, every entrepreneur has this dream of going from obscure startup that hardly anyone knows, hardly anyone cares about, and they all want to become a brand, right? And when I say a brand, I'm talking about someone that people know, they love, they trust, they recognize, and probably most importantly, they remember, right? And, and there's kind of this long road that they have to travel to get from obscurity to, to becoming a brand. And I think it's important to acknowledge that the first step along that road is to build what I always refer to as an economic engine. And what I mean by that is to truly build a brand, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of money to do it and to do it right. And, and so if the first step in that process is all about building an economic engine, essentially that economic engine can fund 
that whole entire path to becoming a brand, all of the different steps and all of the different efforts that you have to take to become a brand can be driven by that economic engine. And, you know, 99 out of 100 times that economic engine simply means sales. You know, a young company needs sales. And, and so when, you, when you're looking at, okay, how do I start? How do I create an ad? What you really want to ask yourself is how do I create an ad that sells? Because it's got to, it's got to fund that economic engine. And then later, after the economic engine is, play, is in place, then you can start to get more creative with things like uh, humor and brand character and brand voice and brand world. You know, think Squatty Potty, the brand world is this fantasy land and the characters are this prince and, and, and unicorn. Um, that stuff can come once the, once the economic engine is in place and able to support it. And so a simple ad that sells, it doesn't need much. You know, I, we have several students who have put together ads for less than $5,000 and use those ads to, you know, to generate $40,000, $50,000, $60,000 in sales. Um, that's, the, that's the way to get started uh, because that, that's the economic engine that's going to drive your future of brand building. Awesome. So that brings me to my next question, which is quite interesting that you say this. And that question is, how do you actually figure out what your um, engine is? Because there's so many different avenues that you can take moving forward. There's always affiliate marketing, there's building your own mailing list, there's understanding who your audience is, and a bunch of other stuff. How does someone like that actually figure out what the right path is for them? Or is it a case of throwing against, uh, throwing get against the wall until they find something? I, I would say that more often than not, a proper sales engine utilizes pretty much everything you just mentioned. Maybe not necessarily always affiliates, but definitely um, it, it, it often needs, you know, you need both a conversion campaign that can run on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram to drive the sales. Um, but then you also need a great follow-up um, email marketing strategy. You need a great you know, ad remarketing strategy. Um, you know, if you, if you start to get into, into, um, messenger bots, um, text messaging, that type of stuff, it really, it's when those holistic pieces come together that you are able to, uh, to really have a great sales engine where you can put, you know, a hundred dollars into advertising and you get $200 back in revenue. That's what, that's what the economic engine needs is more coming out than what you put in. And to do that, you usually need a multi, you know, a multi-effort approach. Now, all that said, you know, if you have to choose just one place to start, I would start with a very simple sales video. You know, just a video that is designed to sell your product like you would sell it face-to-face. -face and, and use that as your starting point to start driving sales, you know, to to the low hanging fruit in your market, the people who are most ready and, and, and most, you know, able to take that, take that action. And then over time you start layering on the other strategies, email follow-up and, and remarketing and all of that stuff. Sweet. Cool. That's what I love though, is I love sales videos. They're like one genuinely one of my favorite ways of making so much money for clients. Cause you can rarely go, you can rarely go wrong with them. That's right. I, we always tell our students, like, just go practice selling face to face in person. 
and you're going to hone in on what is working and then you take that and you and you bring it to video doesn't have to be high budget doesn't have to be expensive uh, make it a simple sales video that that sells is exactly like you would in person and then the internet helps you instead of reaching one person at a time you can reach hundreds of people at a time yeah it, it basically goes back to that whole compelling idea tell a tell a story so goddamn compelling that it's it the the people just want to share it that's right yeah and that's that's incredible and something that i've actually been coming up with is more of an idea of how to get inside that head of your audience in order to actually figure out what to say to them and that all comes out down copywriting so out of that i have to ask so what's benton do outside of this like what is something that you specifically taken from this part of your life and actually seen it in other parts of your life that you actually realized it's benefited you that your work um i would say uh, you know admittedly at harman brothers and myself in particular um i've been pretty slow to to realize the importance of telling our own story and my own story you know for the first several years of our existence um we never talked about ourselves we only talked about our clients and we only drove success for our clients and we never uh we, we never bothered to um to, to tell our own story and and what we found was that um well that worked for you know the first several years of our existence the more over time obviously you know with the success of our campaigns the more me too um uh, you know companies would come along and 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 um copy our format and our style and our methods and and all of that stuff which i'm totally okay with I, in fact i feel flattered that that you know the the market is is adopting so much of what we do um but i noticed that so many of those um you know kind of me too's that were coming along were telling their story um as if they were the pioneers of, you know, of, of this type of advertising um, because we were leaving a void in the marketplace of we weren't telling our story and we weren't kind of um, setting the history straight of kind of how this all came together. And, and so we were opening it up for other people to fill that void. And that was a big aha moment for us because we realized, whoa, we haven't been following our own advice. You know, we're always telling our clients it's so important to tell your story, you know, and, and we help them do it. We help them tell their story, but we weren't taking that advice for ourselves. And so it's only been in the last, I don't know, 18 months or so that, that we've finally, for the first time in our history, put some effort into, you know, being open and public about, about who we are and how we do it and, and, and what we do. And, um, and so I would say, you know, to your question of what have I learned that's kind of impacting other areas of my life, um, as I've gone out and, and started to tell our story and tell my story, I've been amazed at how doors have opened, both in terms of relationships, the people who I've met, mm -hmm. and, um, and also the, the opportunities to uh, to go places and, and, you know, speak on stages that quite frankly, you know, I, I never even thought about or never even imagined possible. You know, I've, I've shared the stage with, you know, names like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and Rachel Hollis and, um, uh, you know, Richard Branson.
Yeah, so I, I've been able to speak with all of these amazing different people, and I genuinely think that that is a simple function of us finally opening up and telling our story and, and being open with that, essentially taking the advice that we always give our clients. That's pretty badass. So I now have to ask, obviously, because people are going to be hitting me up for this. Um, I have my own formula for finding my client stories, like their personal stories to get them to places. My question for you is what is your guy's process if you can systematize it? Like, or have you systematized it already? Our, our process for finding stories to tell. Oh, um, as far as our own story or our client stories, your own story. Cause like your client stories, they're amazing, but honestly, like I, I, I'm more interested in your own stories, like how you figured out your own voice. Um, you know, I don't know that I can tell you a, a process because I think we're kind of in the midst of figuring that out right now. And, and I would say the process is uh, I've just kind of taken on an, an attitude of saying yes to, um, you know, anyone who wants me to speak, anyone who wants me to come on their podcast, whenever I'm able to, I just say yes. And, and I come on and I answer questions and, and tell stories. And I think through that process over time, I'm starting to, um, to kind of find my voice and, and find the stories that, that, that tend to resonate. And, and that might sound kind of ad hoc and, um, and unintentional, but I guess that's genuinely what I'm doing. I don't really have a, have a process per se of, of finding those stories. And maybe I ought to develop one. Yeah, I, I'm assume, I would assume you guys probably would end up doing so anyway in a couple of years knowing you guys. It's like, no, wait, hold on. We can actually do this. Yay. It's amazing. But so like the core thing is like go out there and say yes to as many things as you can and you'd be surprised what comes back. Yeah, that, that's definitely been our experience. It's pretty badass. I mean, that's kind of my whole thing is like I want to go like even though I've hosted a load of podcasts, I've only been on a handful of them. Not because I haven't been, um, I haven't pro been proactively reaching out. That's what I haven't been doing. So that's actually my homework for the show is to go out and uh, reach out to more and more businesses and people I know that are in my same industry and be like, hey guys, uh, how about having me on your show? So that's, that'll be quite a lot of fun to do. So, and this is quite a fun little question I do have here from the, sh from the show. And by the way, just a quick heads up. Sorry, we had a slight little break. We had a tech issue where um, one of our audios literally just dropped the call slightly, so we had to take a couple of minutes to fix it. Thankfully, we're all good and well. Um, but the question I really have for you, Benton, more than anything else, is kind of a weird little fun one because I, I, love, to, I love how your ideas always come about. And one thing I know about anyone that's creative or even data-driven or data-driven is we tend to always look at what works. So if we're in the world of stories, which we are, we always like to read other appealing stories. So my question for you is, what was, uh, and there's, we'll modify this a little bit. So if you had to name seven books that influenced you, two of them have to be either fictional books or fictional movies, and the other five can be non-fiction or fictional, whatever you want, but two of them have to be fiction or fiction movies, what would they be and why? Well, that's a great question. Let's, let's see, I'm not going to have these right offhand, so I'm going to have to think for a second. Um, I, okay. I know a couple of the nonfiction ones, uh, Simon Sinek's start with why, mm -hmm. um, that has been hugely 
impactful for us in terms of really digging down and finding the core of why we do what we do. And it helped us discover that our why is to share better stories. And, and so we, we don't think of ourselves just as advertisers. We think of ourselves as storytellers and we're trying to be innovative as storytellers, which, you know, we hope leads us into, you know, bigger, broader worlds like television and, and, and movies and not just, not just advertising. So that one was hugely impactful. Um, uh, How to build a story brand by Donald Miller, also hugely impactful. Um, it, you know, it's how to, uh, like you've talked about over and over again, how to have a story driven brand. Um, let's see what else, uh, Pixar's, um, creativity Inc. Uh, we, we love that book. Um, made to stink or <laughs> I'm sorry, made to stink. Made to stick, not made to stink. <laughs> made to stink. That's what you're made for. I <laughs> coming, from, I coming from the people who did poopery and, <laughs> and squatty potty, I guess it's only appropriate that I say something stupid like that. Oh man, you guys should totally write that book. <laughs> like that could be your second book because you guys have got from, from poop to gold, which by the way, if you haven't read, I recommend heavily that you go pick it up. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, made to stick, but not made to stink. That's your version coming out. Yep. Yep. Um, so those are a few of the, those are a few of the nonfiction books that come to mind. Um, uh, fiction side, um, you know, Count of Monte Cristo um, is one of my favorite all time books. Um, let me think what else comes to mind. Um, uh, let's see. V for Vendetta is a movie that, oh, classic. um, that, that, um, just hugely impactful. Yeah. Those, those are the ones that are coming to my mind, you know, right offhand. That's incredible. And also I'm so glad you said V for Vendetta. That book, that is one of my favorite all time movies. Incredible, right? Yeah, I, I think I went, like, this is showing my age slightly, but I went to watch that when I was 15 with my mother of all people. <laughs> I went to watch it with my mom. Because I wasn't old, no, I was 14 because I wasn't old enough to get into the theater. There, so the scene that I remember just like made me fall out of my chair was um, when he blows up the Bailey and and he's leading the orchestra as he does it and so oh yeah uh, well he's like and now the brass and she's yes. like wait i don't hear it like can you hear the crescendo and then it just it's beautiful yeah i i that that was one of those scenes that i remember as i watched it i like my jaw hit the floor i almost fell out of my chair um you know and this the sound was just booming loud and the visuals of the fireworks and the explosions and everything it was just incredible to this day that's still one of my favorite scenes oh without a doubt like the way they put that entire movie together was brilliant and i have to like um tip my hat to natalie portman having such a great british accent in that movie like she did a phenomenal job as evie if you haven't seen it please do yourself a favor watch it tonight you will not be sorry if you're in advertising and want to know how to write really good compelling pieces watch it twice over but the second time watch with a notepad and I'm a yeah. terrible person because I do this with movies. From a writer's perspective, all of the, um, uh, it, 
uh, what do you call it? Illiterations, I think is the word. Oh, the bit where he was doing off his V for like, yes. Oh man, that, that I've tried to do that. Cause I love complicated. Um, I love complex and complicated pieces of uh, verbiage. Always have. Uh, like for instance, um, have you seen Hamilton? I haven't seen Hamilton yet. I've been dying to see that. Right, but have you you've had you've had the soundtrack though, right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard the soundtrack. Uh, right. So the song Guns and Ships, where they do the entire thing for Lafayette, I actually got to the point where I could rap that entire thing in tune at the same speed as David Deeks. <laughs> That's incredible. Because I get obsessive. So I'm just like, I'm gonna do this. So at the time my ex-partner was, so she's still one of my best friends. Um, she's the one that got me started into it. And I actually, I'm ashamed, ashamed to admit it, I did not like Hamilton the first time I heard it. Partially because she can't rap and it was terrible. <laughs> like, it was so bad. I was judging this play on my ex-girlfriend, bless her. And um, while, we were, while she was listening along to this, I decided one day to listen to the soundtrack myself. So I went through the entire thing, Guns and Ships, and she got mad at me because I started going back and listening to the same portions of Guns and Ships over and over again until I could get it right. That's amazing. I love I, it. I, it's just the way my brain works. But one of the other things I want to share with you uh, as a fellow Hamilton fan is I'm not going to do this to you, but it's along the same lines and the same story. To annoy the shit out of her for actually almost spoiling Hamilton for me, I waited until Justin Groff did um, his version of You'll Be Back. And then I did it as Elmo. <laughs> I did the whole song as Elmo. <laughs> How did she like that? Oh, I'm, I, she kept laughing her ass off. Like She would not stop laughing. She goes, I hate the fact you make me laugh. And then she flew, like about a, seven months after we broke up, she flew to New York to watch Hamilton live on Broadway. Justin Groff's song, You'll Be Back, comes on. Of course, it's not Justin Groff. Someone else is playing him. It comes on. She had to leave the show to go into the hallway to laugh until <laughs> that's done because all she could hear was Elmo. <laughs> and I got the most abusive message at 3 a.m. I've ever received from anyone that just was full of explicitives to which it ended with, because it was so goddamn funny, I couldn't stop thinking of Elmo. And, and that abusive message was probably one of the uh, one of the most satisfying abusive messages you've ever received. Oh, without a doubt, I woke up the next morning laughing. I, like I started off because it was a voice message, and she's a New Zealander and has a tiny. She has a. She, she's a New Zealand. She's five foot two and she's from New Zealand. That should tell you everything about what type of message I got. It was <laughs> funny as fuck. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, but yeah. But the reason I bring up that kind of stuff is even Hamilton is quite interesting the way they've changed their mediums. And this is probably one of the last questions I'll ask you on the show before we wrap up. Um, do you believe the medium of which how advertising is delivered greatly impacts the messaging conversion or do you think that it really doesn't matter? Um, be a little more specific. Are you saying the medium as in so for video example, versus audio, or are you saying Facebook versus YouTube? I'm saying video versus audio versus written, which could also be seen as Facebook's uh, written posts versus YouTube's videos. Like, essentially, in the medium of conversions, which one has actually elicited a greater response? In your experience? Um, in my experience, they 
all have a time and a place. Um, But from my experience, video has the broadest reach of all of those. And it also has the ability to combine visuals with audio. And because you have those visuals, you can pick up the social cues of, um, you know, an actor's delivery in, uh, in how the actor is able to connect with people at an emotional level and, and things like that. Um, and, and then obviously, uh, you know, as you move into audio, you lose the visual element of that, but you still have, you know, the emotion behind the voice. And, and so you can still capture a lot of that. And then as you go into written, it becomes a function of how much emotion can you, uh, can you transmit into your writing and and how how much attention can you grab from someone to actually read in depth um yeah so i i think there's a time and a place for all of them uh video just in my opinion happens to be the most powerful of the three. Oh, i agree i think video is probably the most powerful medium ever i've had uh for about two years now i've had people tell me that i should stop videoing these, these podcasts and releasing them on youtube the only problem is uh I'm not lazy. I just don't know a lot of shit when it comes down to the technical side. of I, I don't like editing. That That's the sure. truth. I really dislike editing. So even with this show, with the many little uh, blips we've had today, I'm probably going to leave them all in. Sure. Because I love my audience. That, that was the whole point of the show. I want people to see the most authentic side of the ridiculousness, the ridiculousness that is my life at times. I hear you. And it's worked greatly. And I thank you, my audience who are listening in, for making it so. And one of my last questions, like the very last question I have for you more than anything, is if you had to really give advice to say, I'm going to give you like, I'm going to give you the avatar that you're speaking to in this sense to give them advice, because I know this person does listen to the show and was one of their questions. Um, if you had to give advice to someone that has a product, they have a service, they're both good at both things. But what they lack is they don't have the financial, um, they don't have the financial backing to scale their business mm-hmm. and they don't have a team to scale their business. It's literally a one man band that's doing relatively well. They're doing six figures a year, but sure. they want to scale it. Uh, so six figures a, a year would put you in a position to start delegating and automating all of the things that take up your time that can be done by someone else or that don't play to your, uh, you know, to your greatest strengths. Um, because at the end of the day, scaling is just a function of, of how well we're able to focus on doing what we're strong at doing, doing what we're world-class at doing because no one else can do those things as well as we can. And so if we're able to delegate away all of the things that take our time and focus so that we can focus on those things, that's what opens up the door for scale. I've had to learn that lesson over and over and over again, because we've grown from, you know, it started with just four of us, myself and the three brothers. And now we've grown into, you know, a 40 person, you know, we're still a tiny agency, but there's 40 of us now. And that path has had me, replacing myself in one role after the next so that I could go focus on the next thing. And, and anyone who's at hundred K should be at a position where they can make a list of things that they can delegate away or automate away 
and and broaden their focus to to building what they want to build yeah that's actually really powerful because that's the process um that's one thing i did learn was letting go and having a junior writer on staff has been massively helpful it's actually opened up so much more avenue for my brain to relax and just focus on what i love to do that's right yeah it's the best things to do all right dude any last words before we say goodbye to the end of the show um no i mean if, if you don't mind a I, I guess a shameless plug, I would just say to, you know, any, any writers, comedians, or, or even filmmakers who are wanting to find a way to hone your craft, but make a great living at the same time. I think advertising is such a good place to do that. It allows you the opportunity to, to flex your creative muscles and, and, you know, get those repetitions in so that you're building that skill set, And, and there's, there's always paid opportunities to do that in the advertising space. And, and that's, that's why we created Harmon brothers university is so that we can help, you know, writers, comedians, and filmmakers develop those skill sets to get those paid gigs so that it can open up, you know, doors for, you know, the comedians eventually want their Netflix specials and the filmmakers eventually want to end up in Hollywood. And, and I think advertising is such a great place to, to put your focus. You know, I think it's a much better option than going and taking a soul sucking job in a cubicle just to keep food on the table. So that, 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 that's my shameless plug in case any of your listeners kind of find themselves. And what's the URL for that shameless plug? Yeah. HarmanBrothersUniversity.com. Awesome. And like I said, this entire episode, I've pretty much recommended your stuff because guys, go look at it. Oh, and one last thing before we jump, jump off and hop off. Uh, something that I want you guys to go watch as Benton, you can chime in if you want on this. I'd love your opinion on it, but I know we're running a long time because um, I only just remembered. It was the Cheerios ad where it was like hashtag dad boss or something. It was like, that's how dads do it. Something weird. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Cheerios dad ad. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was awesome until the end. They completely they flubbed it right at the last. Like that is basically a fumble in football if I've ever seen one. American football, not UK football. But that's like literally falling over at the finish line. Yeah. So so we actually took some inspirational points from that ad when we made the Chatbooks mom ad. So that you you'll definitely see some similarities there. Uh, sure. But we. We made sure um, <laughs> we made sure to not um, flub it. At the to, end. Yeah, yeah, to not flub it at the end, so to speak. Yeah. So that, that's a great comparison to look at. For sure, and guys, if you want to find out exactly how they flubbed it, I recommend that um, I'm going to be writing a post on it. So check back on Um but also check out the stuff that how to do it correctly by checking out from uh, how poop from poop to gold is the title of the book. Go check it out, and again. Check out HarmonBrosUniversity.com. It'll be amazing. Dude, thanks so much for being here. And guys, I'll see you on next week's show.